I was so busy listening to the music that I wasn't listening that I needed to get on. I'm Babs Earl Zivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. It is, I guess it's Tuesday. Did was it me or did Monday feel like a whole week? <laughs> it felt like a whole what is today? Today is oh, it's too many things. Oh, today's Wednesday. You know why? It's Black History Month, February 1st. Happy Black History Month. Oh my God, it feels like a week has gone by. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Time is flying by. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or the days are longer or what is happening. Um, I did a thing this morning. I dropped off a little kid to school. Do you know how long it's been since I dropped off a little kid at school? So my friend, uh, Alicia Crutchfield, McLean, um, is uh, have a little medical medical leave. So her daughter, her six-year-old daughter, Sienna, because um, her husband works at the uh, for at Amtrak. And so you know he's he's you know so her mother is in town, and the, you know she's got her sister. Her sister friends are just rallying around her. So today was my. First day dropping her off to school. She goes to the Obama school. And so I dropped her off at school. <laughs> oh, I mean, the whole thing. I was in the in the drop-off loop. You know the drop-off loop? <laughs> I've been in, she says to me, Are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> I was like, girl, where do I go? Where? She's like, you gotta pull in there and you and you will drive around and you'll stop and they'll come and get me. I said, they come and get you. I don't have to walk you in. She's like, no. So I pull in, I drive around, and sure enough, they roll up to the car and get her. <laughs> this was not my experience when I was a young mother doing car par, carpool and drop-off stuff. I just had I had to park, I had to walk them in the whole nine. Oh my God, they made it so easy. You you knew mothers are soft. <laughs> You know mommies are soft. I said it. Y'all are soft. Y'all get somebody to come to the car? Are you kidding me? Ah, so I guess that cuts down on fights and smack talking. Y'all are soft. In my day, <laughs> you had to fight for parking spaces. You had to blow your horn because people were taking too long. <laughs> Okay. All right, you new, you millennial mommies. Y'all are soft, I say. Soft. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. I'll leave that alone. Um, the Poet Laureate, uh, Ada Lamone, is uh, going to be at Yale University Art Gallery today at 4 o'clock. I'm going to go because I like poetry and I want to see the Poet Laureate. So there you go. Um, uh, Nikki uh Dowardoff is is uh having a conversation uh on Yale's campus today too somewhere uh I think at the Beinecke and uh I'm gonna miss that I told him so <laughs> he's like I think you're making the better choice <laughs> I was like I don't know I don't know if it's a better choice but I'm I'm going with the I'm going with the poor Lori it's like that you're you're absolutely making the better choice. You're like, what is wrong with you? 
<laughs> I was like, I, you know, he is funny. He is really, really funny. He is very funny. And uh, and I want his book to do well. Plus, I just enjoy listening to him talk. You know, he's just an interesting, quirky guy. So, you know, writers, artists, writers, artists. I love them. So anyway, uh, so I'm not going to go see his talk. I'm going to go and hear the Poet Laureate. And then, uh, listen, I finished painting my bench. It's painted. It's not finished, tricked out. I have to finish that. But it's painted. So it's drying. I'm glad that it's drying. Uh, I need to go to Joanne's and get some stuff. <laughs> I, need, I need more things. Beads. Because we have, I need, I need more beads. I need more beads. You know, strands, strands of, uh, and buttons. We need more beads. So, so if you're listening to me this morning, I'll be at Possible Futures uh, tomorrow for beading. So feel free to come and bead your little hearts out. I appreciate it greatly. Um, so I got to run to Joanne's today. Uh, it is Black History Month. You know, the time where white people get to learn something about us. It, Black History is month is not for us. I mean, it is for us because schools, and they don't do a good job of, uh, uh, they don't do a good job of uh, uh, teaching stuff. So, and I, I don't mean that, like, I don't, I, don't, not, I don't mean it in a mean way. I mean it in a way that, you know, we're having this problem with teaching American history. And uh, so February, I would imagine, gives people license to sort of teach, you know, teach. And uh, and teach, I hope that people will. So so Black History Month is an opportunity. And, and, and you know, it's a little commercial, commercialized because you, you can watch on TV. They'll, they'll start saying Black History Month facts and Black History Month things and and so, so, so you know, people will get a little bit of that. They'll get a little bit of Black History Month, and and schools and and states that are, you know, progressive and, you know, resistant to this backlash to anti-Black History stuff. Uh, we'll we'll do a good job, and uh, that's our, you know, that's all we can hope for these days because. Uh, People are just annoying. And I think the theme this year, and you know, Black History Month goes from February 1st to March 1st, you know, like 28 days. Um, so let me give you some facts. February is dedicated to uh, Black History Month is an annual celebration of achievements by African-Americans and a time for recognizing their central role in U.S. history. Um, also known as African-American History Month. The event grew out of the Negro History Week. The event grew out of the Negro History Week, the brainchild of noted historian Carter G. Woodson. You know, lift every voice and sing. Um, and other prominent African-Americans. So since 1976, every U.S. president has officially designated the month of February as Black History Month. And other countries around the world, including Canada and the U.K., also devote a month to celebrating Black history. So the story of Black History Month begins in 1915 
half a century after the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the United States. That September, the Harvard-trained historian Carter G. Woodson and the prominent minister Jesse E. Moreland founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, ASNLH, an organization dedicated to researching and promoting achievements by Black Americans and other peoples of African descent. Known today as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, ASL, A-S-A-L-L-H. The group sponsored a National Negro History Week in 1926, choosing the second week of February to co coincide with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. The event inspired schools and communities nationwide to organize local celebrations, establish history clubs, and host performances and lectures. So the NAACP was founded on February 12, 1909, the centennial anniversary of the birth of Abraham Lincoln. In the decades that followed, mayors of cities across the country began issuing yearly proclamations recognizing Negro History Week. By the late 1960s, thanks in part to the civil rights movement and a growing awareness of Black identity, Negro History Week had evolved into Black History Month on many college campuses. President Gerald Ford officially recognized Black History Month in 1976, calling upon the public to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every, in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Today, Black History Month is a time to honor the contributions and legacy of African Americans across U.S. history and society, from activists and civil rights rights pioneers such as Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth, Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and Rosa Parks, to leaders in industry, politics, science, culture, and more. So this year's theme, Black History Month 2023 theme, since 1976, every American president has designated February as, as Black History Month and, and endorsed a specific theme. So this year, the theme is Black Resistance. Black Resistance explores how African-Americans have resisted historic and ongoing oppression in all forms, especially, especially the racial terrorism of lynching, racial uh, programs, and police killings since the nation's earliest days. There you go. So Black Resistance is the theme, y'all, 2023 for Black History Month. Black Resistance and whatever that looks like. So if Black Resistance looks like to you, NAP ministry, because we don't always have to be productive 24-7, I'm with you. If your resistance is... Uh, Learning about the Black Panther Party? Listen, I'm with you and we've got programming up for you. Just check out the Possible Futures website and the Radical Thinking Book Club and the, uh, um, um, the uh, and, and, and everything else that we have going on. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. 
Um, so go to Possible Futures book, uh, Bookstore site and you will see all the uh, uh, you will see all the things up that will make sense uh, for you. And uh, and that'll be a good idea, a good idea. So 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 whatever your revolution is, the Fred Hampton project, uh, which is going on now, there's a whole board up at Possible Futures. You could write down what you know and what you want to know about Fred Hampton. Uh, there is um, the uh, by any means necessary uh, booksellers LLC. They are doing a book club. Radical Thinking Book Club, and they are reading the book that was discussed last night, uh, which is which is the book I have in my hand by uh, Kikla Magoon, Revolution in Our Time, The Black Panthers Party, Promise to the People. And it's, let me tell you, it's a, it's a, it's considered a youth, a YA book, a young adult book, but this book is stunningly beautiful. And this is, this really ought to be required reading in schools. Like this book should be in every every eighth grade class because it's just that damn good. It's just that good. And it's written in 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 language that that anybody, you don't have to be an academic to sort of uh to get into, you know. So it's uh I listen, whatever your resistance is, baby, embrace it. If your resistance is for the next 28 days, you're just going to check out books at the library. You're not going to spend your money nowhere. Cool. But if you want to spend your money somewhere where there's about the uplift of Black and Indigenous and Brown people, get your little self to a bookstore that does that. In my town, it's, it's Possible Futures. In your town, I don't know what it is. And I've got people who listen to me from all over the place. Um, so if you're in Paris, and I know my Paris friends are listening, uh, I know there's some Black-ass bookstores in France. I know it. <laughs> so make your way there. I know there's some black ass bookstores in Oakland. I know there's some black bookstores in New York. I I know there's black bookstores in DC. I know there's some in New Orleans. I know there's some in Chicago. I know it. Detroit. I know it. So get your and if and if that's not enough, AALBC. AALBC is an online bookstore. And listen, and they keep up with all the bookstores across the country. Uh, so go and check them out, AALBC. I mean, they have every kind of Black book known, printed, posted, coming to man. So, uh, and I've had that brother on a couple of times talking about AALBC. So listen, and he he is in, um, he's in Tulsa uh, because Tulsa had this thing where they invited people to come live in, live in Tulsa to help rebuild Tulsa, particularly around the Black Wall Street kind of stuff. And they were, you know, doling out some money and opportunities for for uh, for Black businesses to come to Tulsa and be a part of it. Uh, and so he is one of those. <laughs> He's one of those people that went to Tulsa. So I'm just saying, it's Black History Month, and uh, I want you to get into it. I really do. I want you to, if you've not embraced Black History Month ever in your life, this is the year to do it. I'm serious about that. Get serious about it. Get get serious. Get serious. Take some time and learn a thing or two. So uh, I want to tell you a little bit about, uh, 
I will tell you a little something about Carter G. Woodson. I'll start there. He's a man behind Black History Month. So in 1915, Carter G. Woodson traveled to Chicago from his home in Washington, D.C. to take part in a national celebration of the 50th anniversary of emancipation. Can you imagine that? That is just so interesting to me. Now, you know, Carter G. Woodson was born in 1875 uh, and he passed away in 1950. Uh, so anyway. He, he goes to Washington to take part in the national celebration of the 50th anniversary of the, of the emancipation. Wow. He has earned his bachelor's and master's degree at the University of Chicago and still had many friends there. So as he joined the thousands of Black Americans overflowing from the Coliseum, which housed exhibits highlighting African-American achievements since the abolition of slavery, Woodson was inspired to do more in the spirit of celebrating Black history and heritage. Before he left Chicago, he helped found the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, ASNLH. A year later, Woodson single-handedly launched the Journal of Negro History, in which he and other researchers brought attention to the achievements of Black Americans. Born in 1875, in New Canton, Virginia, Woodson had worked as a sharecropper, a miner, and various other jobs during his childhood to help support his large family. Though he entered high school late, he made up lost time, graduating in less than two years after attending um, Berea College in Kentucky. Woodson worked in the Philippines as an education superintendent for the U.S. government. He earned his bachelor's and master's degree at the University of Chicago before entering Harvard. In 1912, three years before founding the ASNLH, he became only the second African-American after W.E.D. Du Bois to earn a doctorate from that institution. Like Du Bois, Woodson believed that young African-Americans in the early 20th century were not being taught enough of their own heritage and the achievements of their ancestors. To get his message out, Woodson first turned to his fraternity, Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, which created Negro History and Literature Week in 1924. But Woodson wanted a wider celebration, and he de decided that the ASNLH would take on that task. Shout out to the Qs. Shout out to the brothers of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated uh, that created Negro History and created uh, history, Negro History and Literature Week in 1924. In February 1926, Woodson set out a press release, sent out a press release announcing Oh, these pop-ups get on my nerves. <laughs> they really do. Ah. Ah, ah, ah. Let me see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. So he sent out a press release announcing the first Negro History Week. Oh, here comes Paul. So let me interrupt my uh, Black History, history thing. Hey, Paul Bass, I was just doing my Black history duty. <laughs> well, good morning, Bass. We're going to talk about a little present day stuff, but then also um, go into a little history as well. Not super long history. I'm here with Beth Ewing on Winthrop Avenue. Hi, just Beth Ewing. Ready, just for getting ready to chat. We already found out we have like 90 things we can talk <laughs> about. 
We'll start out with the word on the street today, which is what it's best doing right now, which is not the most upbeat part of the day. Well, it's okay, though. It's okay. Where are you coming from, Beth? I'm coming from Yale New Haven Hospital. Um, I just um, left my daughter there. She has to have some surgery this morning. Um, but it's okay. Nothing to be alarmed. Well, sound to me like it was an emergency, some kind of procedure that's going to be It's fine. not an emergency. This is something that has been coming for quite a while. It's a procedure she has to have um, that should take two or three hours. And then maybe by tomorrow or so, she'll be able to come back home again. And you'll go get her. I will go back and get her. They got me right here. They're texting me already. <laughs> they have me right here. They, they'll keep you up to date with whatever's going on. How old is your daughter, Beth? She's, okay, hold it. I knew we were of the same generation. You see, you knew it. I'm always doing. I'm always doing base three divided by nine so to get my kids' ages. No, I do it too. It's like, it, what order are they in? What are their names again? I, listen, I do that too. I think she's. I think she's. Um, want to say, I'm so ashamed and so. Don't be sad. By the way, I, I do have this four all the daughters time. and mm -hmm. a lot of grandchildren and trying to keep. Oh up my goodness! Okay. So she's in her twenties okay, so or thirties. She's in her forties. Oh, in her late forties. Oh, so that's what I was interested in. She's so in you, her late 40s. So mom is still taking her to the hospital when she's in her late 40s. So you're very much in her life. Yeah, she had to have a, a ride mm -hmm. you know, to get there and to get back. Does she live here? She lives here on the third floor. And what floor do you live on? Second. Now, one thing, Beth, I want to show you this, Babs. I was walking down Winthrop, but every time I walk down Winthrop on the north side of Whaley, I always feel like this stunning shower of light comes out of the sky because there are all these beautiful houses that you don't kind of notice because it's pretty dense. Like like Beth's house and the house next to it are just these beautiful Victorians that are nicely painted with the details on the porches yeah. and they're roomy. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. just think it's this this island in the middle of this busy city that we don't always see because it's not a big through street right, one right, way. Right, right. But a lot of traffic does come through here. Actually, it is slowed down some since they put the speed bumps. They put speed bumps? Oh, yeah. Yes. That's Winthrop. Went next block. And when yeah, did they do Winthrop, that? yeah. They did that, uh, I believe, last sometime last year. It's been at least a year. So, so what does that mean for your life? Well, I mean, you know, I don't have any little babies, but I'd be scared to death for them to be outside because they come down the street like, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. They have come down the street so fast that if I'm sitting in the front in my study, I hear the noise, but by the time I look, there's just a blur left, like a tail, the blur. Of the, now, the speed I mean? bump isn't that close, is it? It's right here. Oh, so, oh there it is. Oh, I see it right there. Yeah. Now, does that in enough advance that they slow down or do they come flying down? They're no, fly they, up in the they air. drive as fast as they can until they get to the speed bump. <laughs> then they get over the speed bump and then they fly again. So. But you said it has changed for you. Well, not that much traffic. Is, I mean, traffic still comes through, but... There's not a constant stream of traffic. I don't know why people hump? love the street. I, I don't know. But is it because of the speed hump that has it made them go slower? That, that traffic has eased up some, mm -hmm. just just a little. And how about noise-wise? Is it less noisy with the speed hump? Yeah. I mean, it's working? Speed humps work? Because I never know. I think if you had a speed hump every five feet, it would work. <laughs> so, Beth, you told me you've been 20 years in this house. You rent, At right? least, yeah. And how many, gener how many of the apartments are your family? Just, just one. Oh, but the landlord lives on the first floor. Oh, and you live on the second, third. And how many generations are your family? Just, just one. I'm the only one. Oh, I thought you said your daughter lives. She lives on the second floor. Oh, I see what you mean. Down through. You don't mean down through the generations. You mean, yeah. yeah. She lives on the third floor with her grandson. Her grandson. 
I mean, with my grandson. Your grandson. So two of them live on the third floor. Yeah. I live on the second alone. Uh-huh. My landlord and his wife live on the first. So it must be nice to live with your daughter, is it? I mean, people well, say. Well, I mean, yeah, because I never see her. You know, she never sees she's me. She's busy. <laughs> Do you see the grandson? We don't. Once in a great while. It's not interesting. Everybody's working. Everybody's busy. Everybody's got their own little, you know, bubble. Because uh-huh. that's the way life has become, you know. So, Beth, before we came on the air, you told me that you worked at the New Haven Register. I did. How many did. years? Uh, just about 27. Did you retire at the end? I was laid off. Oh, was that because of, they were bought by that hedge fund? So they didn't really want humans. Yep. They don't know. And they got they didn't want humans before that, but they didn't have much of a choice. Well, until. now everything's out of Norwalk because it's the Hearst Company. So they must have people calling from Norwalk. Well, they have also off of Exit 8. Yeah, New Haven Register is there. That's like a little pod. You know, so when did you work there from when to when? From 1983 oh. to um, 2000, we'll say 2001. That would be like that would that. be 18 years. Two? No, I was there 20, so 2011. 20, so you, I, 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 yeah, so 83 until 2010, yeah, probably you and I are, or not 2020, 2011. Okay, I'm trying to think. So, what did you do there? Um, well, I mean, I, I first, if you, are you asking me what, what your I job was originally did yeah. or what I oh. wound up? Okay. Originally I was just like a clerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was real interesting because we would take in all of the orders for ads, mm-hmm. all different types of ads. We would have to list what they needed done. And boy, there were a lot more ads back then. It was a fat paper before the internet. Oh, it was the most beautiful place to work when I first started work. working there. I wanted to work there so bad. I had three different interviews. And I wanted to be there so bad because I just felt like that's the place to be, you know? Had you I mean, grown up in New Haven reading the register? Well, yeah. I mean, I had read the paper and everything. I, I, I grew up a little in New Haven. The rest was in West Haven. Okay, same thing. That's the register. Same, same. Yeah. Um, but you really yeah, wanted to work for the register. I was determined to work for the register. You don't know why, though. It's just that it was a cool place to be. I don't remember why. I just Actually. knew that I wanted to work for the register. Uh-huh. And um, I did that with all my heart, too. I, well, I really so you started out taking orders as a clerk in the ad department. And then I went on to um, paste up. Uh-huh. Oh, you did, did you have good graphic shops? Yeah, yeah. And those, were the days, ads. and those were the days when they printed them out and you had to use an X-Acto knife or something? Yeah. This right here, I don't know if you can see. That's your finger. Right there. I cut that off with my X-Acto knife oh, on no. my drawing board. On your right. And it was laying on my drawing one. board, and the blood was like pulsating oh, up no. like that. What was the ad? What was it for? Uh, um, I don't remember. Like I, I think it was a, It might have been a full page because I love to do those. Uh huh. You know, the double trucks and everything. Oh, I, I remember I, double trucks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day, advertising. Yeah, back in the day, yeah. Um. But oh, wait, 83 was on Orange Street. 83, they had just moved. Oh, just May of 83. Because I used to work it was on Orange Street. I used to work there in like 80, 1980 on Orange Street. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. they had just moved not long before I started working on so you. So one day you cut your finger. What happened? Did they have to take in? They said that I was going to have to have plastic surgery. But I said, squash that. Because it, you know, basically, you know, did its best. I don't have any feeling right here. Oh, wow. But, like, but no. if it skipped over, because I, I got to be honest, if I look at your finger, I wouldn't know. You can, yeah, I don't know if you, you have can to see it right closely. there. 
you have to look really see that right there you can almost see through it uh-huh it's like anyway that's the part that so I did that make you want to stop doing the job you absolutely not i'm working like this with my finger <laughs> oh you kept working while i was bleeding oh, yeah. no no <laughs> they took me to chcp okay i remember that right down the street and they hooked me up and, you know they had to wrap me up and put a brace and everything and then but i worked like that anyway it didn't with matter the brace. To me. did you come back the same day or did you take the rest of that day they off. wouldn't let me come back the same day the my day. boss made me but you wanted to i would have because you loved it that much i love what did you love about it what did you love about doing the ass the creativity yeah did you design I'm them? very creative i just would you design the ads no i didn't design the ads but i had to follow the, the orders for it oh the so you did so you did put them together Absolutely. Back in the days when the I did the camera were... work. Oh. I did negatives. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. I laid them out in the page. Everything. And were you proud when you got the paper, and you saw the ads, the work you had done? Yeah, but after a while, you know, it's like second nature. You just do it, and you think, yeah, it's like putting on your shoes and socks every day. Look, I put on my shoes and socks. So, you know what I mean? But when you went you to just... the store, did you have any connection? Like, oh, I just did the ad for that store. No, but if people found out, well, yeah, because I started saying, oh, that's that. Oh, okay. You must have gotten pretty knowledgeable about commerce. I did. What gets sold where? I really haven't. did. And then at some point, we we ran short with drivers because you know you have to have drivers to go deliver the proofs mm-hmm. of everything that we do, so that the advertiser will know what they're going to get. Uh-huh. When they got short, they would have to use some of us to do the running. And so you also ran it. as the customer. Oh yeah. So Beth, was that your job the rest of the time, or what did you do? No, that wasn't nine? my job the rest of the time. Then when they downsized again, they needed somebody in the tear sheet department. Mm-hmm. So they put me in the tear sheet department, which was a heartbreaker because, I mean, you can take pride in what you do, but it's not you know all the tear sheet department. You rip off the ad when it's done, and then you bring it to the people then or send a bill out. Yeah, they they can request a tear sheet, which is nothing more than a torn sheet of. So he's just they rip and pages. Basically, and seeing to it that all these accounts got however many that they wanted, and you know, uh, bookkeeping and keeping track of. So you became so you went back kind of somewhat to clerk functions, tear sheets. Yeah, and I hated it, but it was it wasn't a lot I could do about it. And was that the last thing you did? I had children that I had to provide for and when you started it was the jackson family that ran it and then the, the and most the, wonderful family. oh you like them oh Beth, i gotta admit you're the only person in the history of the world i've ever heard say that i love them oh yeah like stewart we had such a good relationship that oh, when we would wonderful. have um luncheons he would have luncheons on uh at the lawn club mm-hmm. um he would want me to sit right there next to him Wow, was, we had a good relationship. Well, he was the best of the best. Oh, I love of him. the Jacksons, but After I know that's that, a high bar. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> okay, then you got in the um the, the Goodson, Tossin, and Ingersoll chain bought it in eighty seven, eighty six, and they were like all the the junk bonds, and they cut a lot of things, and then they got sold again to a company in the early nineties. Everything started going way downhill. Way you could feel it slowly. They would say one thing and do another, you know. You could feel it. They would, does they the would word Jelinek ring a bell? Oh, Robert Jelinek, the CEO, who was called Darth Vader, come into the office in New Jersey. Yeah. Do you know? I saw him one day. He 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 <laughs> he had an island in Brantford. Oh, one of the symbol islands. Yes, he had one of those. And my landlord uh, has a boat, so I would go out on the boat a lot. Oh. And one day we saw. 
<laughs> you saw Jonik up there. She's and saying, he was transporting all these flowers, all these beautiful flowers, like plants. He was going to plant on the island. And what did he say? Yeah, he just waved back. How are you? How are you? <laughs> yeah. So then in the later years, we were still doing similar work until I think it was 2010 when you left, if I did the math right. Yeah, not yeah, yes, it. yes. And then when what I was met, it like working there by the end? It felt cemetery-like, you know, it was pitiful. Watching all of your best friends, you know, leave, get fired or not fired, but downsized out and there's nothing for them to do and people were being mistreated and um, it, it just got to be really very, very pitiful. You know, the owner is considered better now. The, you know, the world has changed. So there's less work to do like you used to do. It's all automated and distant. Mm -hmm. But they at least care about the paper now, the Hearst Company. They yeah. do it out of Norwalk. Yeah, there's yeah. very few people in the office left. You know? So 2010, Beth, what did you do after you left the ranch? I came home and I'm like, wow, I've worked my entire life. I don't know what to do now. What should I do? Okay, I'll just relax, <laughs> which was very hard to do. But I had a lot of um, time to catch up with my family. Excellent. A lot of time to catch up with my family. And that was wonderful. But then like a couple of years down the road, I decided, you know what? This isn't the life for me. It's just not. I don't just sit. Yeah, I didn't think so. And just hang around and do nothing. <laughs> my life has to have some meaning. So I'm in my study one day and, and I'm thinking about the rest of my life. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get a job. So took a shower, got dressed, went downtown. When I came back a couple hours later, I was employed. So were you getting a question quick. from the rich? Yeah. So you didn't have to get a job to live. No. But you needed a purpose in life, something to get up every right. day. So where'd you get the job? At uh, Companions and Homemakers. Oh, excellent. I said, let me help some of these old folks. You know, I mean, I still have my health and strength. Let me help some of them. Oh. So that's what I did. I did that for a few years. Mm -hmm. um, and then they started trying to get slick on me. <laughs> Bad move. Yeah, so I said, forget about it. So I, I, you know, I stopped doing that. Um, but then it, it worked out that, you know, I was having to do more and more for my mother. Are you, you caring know. for it? Is your mom still around? I wasn't really caring for her, but whatever she needed, I'm there mm -hmm. for her, you know. And still, right now, that's what my life has been. Is your mom still around? Oh, yeah, that's what my life has been, taking care of her. Where she lives? She lives over off of Blake Street. Oh, not that far? Yeah. So you can even walk there if you want so, to. Yeah, I have, just for the exercise. So you retired again after working at Companions, and now you've been taking mm -hmm. care of your mom. Yeah. Do you feel like life has a purpose? Yeah, I do. I mean... That's great, because you seem I'm like purpose, a lot of I think, to take care of her. There's nobody else to take care of her. Or no one really. How old is she now? She, she'll she be 98. Uh, 98? In April. And how's she doing? She's at her home, it sounds like. Yeah, she's... The doctors just can't believe that, you know, she's doing as well as she is. I mean, she's had some fallbacks, some fallbacks, she, you know, gallbladder, this, and, you know, a, a TIA, you know, trans ischemic attack. Is she very aware of things? Like she knows it's you? She, of course. Oh, how would she not? Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, who, who wouldn't know? It's been <laughs> some, some of the no, she, 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 She's very well aware. She, her mind is intact. Does she forget things? Oh, I forget. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so do I. But that's well, awesome. I don't make a big deal of it, you know, but 
Yeah, I mean, she has um, arthritis in her spine. She's in pain sometimes. So what's the rest of today going to look like? I'll go in the house, have some coffee, call my mother, let her know what time the home health aide is coming to give her a shower. <laughs> then I'll probably just go over there real quick. And then the hospital will call and say, your daughter will be out of you know surgery in an hour. And then, you know, I'll just hang over my mother and see what I can do for her until I hear. You know, as soon as we said hello, I just knew you were going to be a wonderful person to well, talk I, to. I, all I did was try to get out of my car. So, Babs, you have any questions for Beth Healy? Oh, no, I'm, I'm enjoying this interaction so much. Like, I'm just oh, like. Babs, were you listening all this time? Oh, yeah, she, she's yes, of course. I've, I've enjoyed this. I was like, this is a really interesting conversation. Oh. So thank so you for questions? your your time. Wow. Okay, Beth. Then we're going to let Beth go in and get back to her coffee and her work. Yeah. And this is Beth and Paul signing off on Love Babs Love Talk. Yes, Word Babs, on the street. So nice to see you. I haven't met you like in person, but you have a a really cute, happy face. Thank you. Oh, th <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. Word thank on the you. street. Love thank Babs you. Love Talk. WNHH New Haven's home. So long for community radio. Oh, that was so, that was so sweet. I enjoyed that so much. I was sitting here watching and listening like, like everybody else. It was a good conversation. I enjoyed it. She's quite engaging. And, uh, and I could tell Paul really liked talking to her. Like I could tell you like talking to her, Paul, you know, so that was nice. That's what I mean. We should, we have, we need some gift cards, <laughs> give people little gift cards for coffee at some local coffee shop or something or whatever. We should do that. And if anybody wants to sponsor that, feel free. Just hit us up. If you're listening to us or you work at a coffee shop and you're like, I really dig that word on the street. And I'll, we'll shout you out. We'll say compliment, coffee compliments of XYZ coffee shop. That'd be kind of cool. You know, we do this. I mean, we've got a body of work now that proves that we do word on the street on a regular basis. So, so you know, it's not like we're trying to be fly by night. We are. We are about this. We are about talking to people on the street and getting a sense of who they are and giving the rest of New Haven an opportunity to see New Haven. <laughs> that, that's what I like. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have ever met Beth. I don't know. But this morning she, she came with a mighty fine word, you know, a good story of, of, of root being rooted here in New Haven, uh, working here in New Haven, raising a family here in New Haven. Her mother is here in New Haven. You know, mother's 98 years old. I don't know if I'll see, I unlikely will see 98. Unlikely. Um, but I, I love when, I love these stories. I love these caregiving stories. So thank you for that. That was nice. That was very, very nice. That was very, 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 very nice. Very nice. Very nice. So, and it's Black History Month. So, in February 1926, Woodson sent out a press release announcing the first Negro History Week. He chose February because the month contained the birthdays of both Abraham Lincoln and Frederick, Frederick Douglass, two prominent men whose historic achievements African-Americans already celebrated. Lincoln's birthday was February 12th. Douglass, who was formerly enslaved, had known his actual birthday, but had marked the occasion on February 14th. As schools and other organizations across the country quickly embraced Woodson's initiative, 
He and his colleagues struggle to meet the demand for course materials and other resources. The ASNLH formed branches all over the country. Through, uh, though, though its national headquarters remain centered in Woodson's Row House on 9th Street in Washington, D.C., the house was also home based for the Associated Publishers Press, which Woodson had founded in 1921. The author of more than 20 books, including A Century of Negro Migration in 1918, The History of Negro Church, 1921, The Negro in Our History, 1922, and his most celebrated text, The Miseducation of the Negro in 1933. Woodson also worked in education as principal for the Armstrong Manual Training School in Washington, D.C., and Dean at Howard University and the West Virginia uh, Collegiate Institute. Clearly, Woodson never viewed the study of Black history as something that could be confined to a week. As early as 1940s, efforts began to expand the week of public celebration and achievement. This shift had already begun in some locations by 1950 when Woodson died suddenly of a heart attack at home in Washington, D.C. When the rise of the civil rights and the Black Power movements in the 60s, young African-Americans on college campuses were becoming increasingly conscious of the historic dimensions of their experience. Younger members of the ASNLH, which later became the Association for the Study of African-American History, urged the organization to change with the times, including the official shift to a month-long celebration of Black history. In 1976, on the 50th anniversary of the first Negro History Week, the association officially made the shift to Black History Month. Yay! So since then, every, pres every U.S. president has issued a proclamation honoring the spirit of, history, of Black History Month. Gerald Ford began the tradition in 1976, saying the celebration enabled people to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. And Ronald Reagan's first Black History Month proclamation started that understanding the history of Black American, Americans is key to understanding the strength of our nation. Ronald Reagan said that. In 2016, Barack Obama, the nation's first Black president, made his last proclamation in honor of Woodson's initiative, now recognized as one of the nation's oldest organ organized celebrations of history as we mark the 40th year of National African American History Month, let us reflect on the sacrifices and contributions made by generations of African Americans and let us resolve to continue our march toward a day when every person knows the unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that, my friends, is how we come to Black History Month. That's how we come to Black History Month. So I don't know if Harry got some Black music queued up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he got some Sweet Honey in the Rock or some Stevie Wonder or... Uh, you know, that's what I'm I'm going with some of that kind of music today and, and for the week. So uh, 
it's February. And I, you know what? I need to go blow some cinnamon in the doorway for good luck. That's that's the tradition. I meant to do that this morning when I stepped out. But I guess it's never too late to do what you can do. So when I take a break, when I be, I'll be back at 10.15. I'm not going anywhere yet. I got about eight more, five more minutes. Uh, but I'm going to go and blow some cinnamon in the, in the doorway. <laughs> and I'm, I'm feeling un, unduly <laughs> lucky. I'm feeling very lucky. And uh, and I, every day I'm going to bring you a little Black history fact or something. But I wanted to start with uh, Carter G. Woodson because I think uh, I think that's important to begin at the beginning. So, so I don't know, Harry, if you could find um, Lift Every Voice and Sing, that would be really, really good if we could play Lift Every Voice and Sing and make that um, part of our, our show for the month. Because if you don't know Lift Every Voice and Sing, I, I didn't know it. I didn't learn Lift Every Voice and Sing until, um, until I went off to college and I went to a black college. So that's how I learned it. <laughs> Because we had a whole, we had a whole, uh, my freshman year, all freshmen had to take um, um, immersive Black history stuff. Because you wasn't going to come to a Black school and not know nothing about Black people. So they built that into the curriculum for freshmen that you had to take. And that's where you learn Lift Every Voice and Sing. And you learned, uh, I mean, you just learned all the things. So I'm just going to tell you about it. <laughs> So uh, let me let me just let me give you this before I jump off, before I take a break. And if Harry could find Lift Every Voice and Sing, that would be good. So uh, in 1919, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, Lift Every Voice and Sing, uh, the Negro National Anthem, uh, dubbed Lift Every Voice and Sing, the Negro National Anthem, for its power in voicing a cry for liberation and affirmation for African-American people. So there you go. So it was, uh, oh, it wasn't written by Carter G. Woodson. I'm sorry, James Weldon Johnson. Oh, I'm getting my, getting my, my, my black people's mixed up. So it lift every voice and sing as a hymn with lyrics by James Weldon Johnson, uh, who lived from 1871 to 1938 and set to music by his brother, uh, J. Rosamond Johnson, who was born in 1873 and passed in 1954. So it's written, written from the context of African-Americans in the late 19th century. The hymn is a prayer of thanksgiving as well as a prayer for faithfulness and freedom with imagery uh, which evokes the biblical exodus from slavery to the freedom of the promised land. So just so you know. So after his first recitation in 1900, Lift Every Voice and Sing was communally sung within Black communities while the NAACP began to promote the hymn as a Negro national anthem in 1917. It has been featured in 14 different Christian hymnals and has also been performed by various African-American singers and musicians. I just love, don't you just love that? That's the, that's the whole point. So James Weldon Johnson was the chair of the Florida Baptist Academy in Jacksonville, Florida. He had sought to write a poem in commemoration of Abraham Lincoln's birthday. However, amid the ongoing civil rights movement, Johnson decided to write a poem which was themed around the struggles of African-Americans following the Reconstruction era, including the passage of Jim Crow laws in the South. Lift Every Voice and Sing was first 
uh, recited by a group of 500 students in 1900. His brother, J. Rosamond uh, Johnson, would later set the poem to music. After the Great Fire of 1901, the Johnsons moved to New York City to pursue a career on Broadway. In the years that followed, Lift Every Voice and Sing was sung within Black communities. Johnson wrote that the school children of Jacksonville kept singing it. They went off to other schools and sang it. They became teachers and taught it to other children. Within 20 years, it was being sung over the South and in other parts of the country. I love that. Don't you love that? I love it. I love it. So a scripture by Augusta Savage named after the song was exhibited at the 1939 New York World's Fair, taking the form of choir of children shaped into a harp. Savage was the only Black woman commissioned for the fair, and the sculpture, which was retitled The Harp by organizers, was also sold as miniature replicas and on postcards during the event. Like other temporary installations, the sculpture was destroyed at the close of the fair. So as the Black National Anthem in 1919, the, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, dubbed Lift Every Voice and Sing the Negro National Anthem. And James Weldon Johnson would be appointed to serve as the NAACP's first executive secretary follow, the following year. It has similar, similarly been referred to as the Black National Anthem. The use of the term the Black National Anthem in reference to Lift Every Voice and Sing has been criticized. Timothy Askew and a professor at the historically Black Clark Atlanta University argue that the use of the term Black National Anthem could incorrectly implicate a desire of separatism by Black communities, that the lyrics of the hymn do not overtly refer to any specific race, which has inspired people to perform it outside African-American communities, and identity should be developed by the individual himself, not by a group of people who think they know what is best for you. Some conservative commentators have similarly similarly criticized performances and references to lift every voice and sing as the Black National Anthem as separatist and diminishing to the Star Spangled Banner as the National Anthem of the United States. In response to Askew's remarks, the NAACP, then Senior Vice President of Advocacy and Policy, Hillary O. Shelton told CNN that the hymn was adopted and welcomed by a very interracial group, and it speaks of hope in being full first-class citizens in our society. Used in conjunction with the U.S. National Anthem for the Pledge of Allegiance during public events, it is evident in our actions as an organization, and here in America, it is evidence that we are about inclusion, not exclusion. To claim that we as African-Americans want to form a confederation or separate ourselves from white people because of one song is baffling to me. In February 2022, Representative Jim Clyburn announced his intent to table a measure proposing that Lift Every Voice and Sing be uh, designated as the National Hymn of the United States. Huh. 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 Well, that's quite interesting. All right, so I'm going to take a break. I'll be back at 10.15. We're going to give you some of this Black history. We started from the very beginning with uh, Carter G. Woodson, and we segued into uh, uh, the, to the uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing by uh, uh, John Weld, 
by uh, Weldon Johnson. And um, I hope it was uh, James Weldon Johnson. I hope it was uh, a good lesson for you. But I'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs>
from the places our God where we stream Blessed hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee.
That is good. I don't get tired of none of that. <laughs> we started with lift every voice and sing, and then we rounded out with some other, some other, you know, say a lot of black and proud, all the good music. Thank you, Harry, for the playlist. We're gonna rock this playlist for the next 28 days. <laughs> We're gonna be blackity black, 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 as if we could be anything else other. We can't. So here we go. Woo! Thank you very much. Uh, tomorrow, my guest, let's see. Tomorrow, my guest will be, uh, who am I having on tomorrow? I don't think I'm having anybody on. Tomorrow's Groundhog's Day. We don't give a damn about the groundhog. Because you know what? This weather is good. <laughs> this weather is very, very good. And uh, although we're going to get some cold weather in the next couple of days. So, you know. Just be mindful, people. Be mindful. Be mindful, people. Be mindful. Because <laughs> it's going to be tough. Oh, I don't have guests until... Ooh. All right. I'm just trying to figure out when I'm having people on. I know I'm having the Boulets on. I know I'm having Carlton Highsmith on. Uh, I've got Patty Russo and Ron Thomas coming on about... Um, the campaign school and the CCM connection. Uh, I've got the uh, Hartford mayor candidate, Nick LeBron coming up this month. So we got some, we got some people coming on. <laughs> we got some people's coming on. Uh, so that's pretty good. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for Valentine's day. You know, I always take, uh, I always cook, or cater for my girlfriends because I love them and I want them to know that I love them. But I think I'm going to take them out to dinner this year. Because if I go to Ife's house, then Ife will get caught up in doing stuff. And I, I want to honor her by not having her prepare anything. So I'm going to take them out. <laughs> I don't want her cooking nothing. So I don't know why people insist on calling me while I'm working. I, do people know that this is my job? <laughs> working i am working so ah, <laughs> uh, there's something wrong with my camera i don't know what it is it's like you know when you have an old tv remember them old tvs and they, the color would fall out so i don't know what's wrong with my 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 monitor i don't know if i need a new monitor i need to take this you know the last time i took my desktop to uh best buy for a tune-up a storm, a tornado came through North Haven and damaged the store and damaged my damn laptop and my desktop and my laptop because I took them in for a tune-up. So they had to give me new stuff. And, you know, my new laptop is not as swanky as my, my original laptop. My original laptop was fly, rose gold, big. And my desktop was fine, but so I don't know if I need to take this in and get the camera looked at or what. Ugh. That's just going to get on my nerves. <laughs> that is just going to get on my nerves. So I tell you what, I'm about to get off some of these boards and committees. They are really getting on my nerves. And uh, I just, I just don't want to be. I don't want to be uh I don't want to be stressed at all. You know, I just don't. So anyway, 
this is the way of the world. This is the way of the world. This is the way of the world. So I'm just trying to hammer down some times for people. So I'm about to give all this up because I got a real goal in front of me and I need to handle that goal. And everything else is not not in my not in my uh, universe. So I might have to just like bounce <laughs> from a few things so that I could focus my time and energies on my 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 goal. So but we'll see, you know, nothing. I'm not determining anything at the moment. I'm just thinking out loud as I move forward, as I become increasingly more challenged with trying to do the things that I want to be doing. And uh, and I understand the necessity of things. So anyway, it's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. It's the middle of the week. And it looks bright outside. Uh, probably a little colder than it was. Uh, it'll be cold tomorrow. It'll be cold Friday. I think it'll be fine tomorrow. I think it'll be very cold Friday and Saturday. I think that's when they said the. So I guess they'll start opening. Like it's 29 degrees outside now. So that's that's pretty pretty cold. That's pretty cold. Then tomorrow it'll be 25, 35. And then Thursday, it'll be like 22 to 38. And then Friday, 6. And windy. I would try to figure out all the things that I need to do today and tomorrow. So I don't have to be messing around outside too much. You know, because I know... uh, so, uh, anyway, just trying to, just trying to do the best I can with what I have. Anyway, um, it is, uh, the first day of Black History Month and Valentine's Day falls in this, in this, uh, in this month too. So I, so I get to, I get to talk about the love of black people and I get to talk about love of love. <laughs> so uh, I think I'll pull some love poems uh, for the rest of the month. So I'll start stacking up books that have poems that I really want to uh, read out loud uh, to keep people in the in a framework for love. Ah, l'amour, toujours l'amour. So I want to do that. Uh, and read, you know, just read a couple of poems and passages that speak to, you know, uh, you know, all kinds of love. All kinds of love. I I I I was so moved by uh, the the last episode of The Last of Us, which is this whole dystopian game turned into a miniseries show on HBO, uh, and it's it's really good. It's I like it. But anyway, last on Sunday, last Sunday, the episode was a romance, a love story you know, a romance in the most, I, I don't even know in these times how you, how you survive. But anyway, so there's this guy, he's one of these guys that, um, you know, these guys who can live off the grid and all this other kind of stuff. So when the government came to round up people because people were getting sick and all this kind of stuff, they were rounding up people, taking them out of their towns. 
So he was in his basement in his dugout and he was tricked out with all kinds of firearms, like just, you know, just, just tricked out. And, and it had a trap door so you could, you know, you couldn't figure out how to get in and out. I mean, it was just amazing. So anyway, he's there by, so he's in the town by himself. He stays. So he goes, he turns on the town water. He turns on the town gas. <laughs> so he could cook. He's farming. He's doing all this. He builds up a fence around the perimeter, like an electric fence. And he tricks it out with uh, 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 booby traps and bombs. I mean, he just does the whole thing. And it's, um, you know, he so, so, you know, you see once or twice, marauders come and they you know they die and then one zombie comes and uh he gets killed before he even gets to the property so because he done booby trapped the whole the whole thing so anyway a guy comes and he falls into a hole he had dug and uh he helps him out because he's like the guy's like i'm on my way to boston you know i'm walking i'm hungry can i have something to eat and uh, so the guy was like, you know, he was, you know, he he's one of these cats that I was like, I don't trust nobody, not near one person. So he gives him the gives him the test to see if he has a zombie thing because he had one of the little gadgets, I guess, that he hijacked off somebody. So he brings him, brings him in, feeds him. The guy's like, you know what? Can I get a shower? So he gives the guy a shower. Because he's got hot running water in his house because he done turned the town water on and the town gas, right? So so he could. So the guy takes a shower. He's in, he's like, could I stay five more minutes in the shower? It feels so good. And he gives him fresh clothes. And then he cooks him an amazing meal and then serves him an amazing glass of a bottle of wine. And, uh, and it is a piano. And then he plays a song. And he's bad at it. So the guy, you know, he's he's already, you know, he keeps his gun on him because, you know, he's one of these guys that's like, listen, I'm never going to be not prepared. So he plays the piano and it's a Linda Ronstadt, Linda Ronstadt song. It's a beautiful song. Y'all know the song. Um, I think I'm going to love you for the for the rest of my life or something like that. And uh, and so he plays it and he plays it better than the guy because the guy is just awful he's on the wrong tempo and blah 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 so he moves him out the way he plays the piano and so the guy says boy she must have been with some girl and he was like no not not a girl and so then he realized then that's when you first understand that uh uh he's gay they're gay and uh and then they they and then they they get together and then you see the passage of time the first three years, the next 10 years, the next 15 years, like you see the passes of time. Uh, and then uh, some, the, some, some marauders come again. I don't know why I keep calling them marauders. I, I just like saying marauders. <laughs> Mar marauders come and he, he's, he's behind his perimeter, but he does get shot by one of them. Now they all get killed, but he got shot. So the guy comes out, helps him in the house, and he's thinking he's gonna die. Like the guy thinks he's gonna die. So the guy's like, no, 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 gets the bullet out of him, you know. And then next thing you know, he's coming through the door, and the other guy is in a, you know, he he's well, 
and then you know uh he's in a wheelchair so so it might be ms or als or one of those kinds of things um and it's he's slowly declining and he has asked that he wants to uh uh you know end his own life and uh and the guy was like okay and then they and then he ends his life too so they they both drink the made him the first meal the first meal that he had when he first met him so they made the first meal in the same bottle of wine the whole nine and i'm probably telling it like not as romantic as it is but if you if if you don't watch any episode that's the episode to watch because it was just it was just so this is when tv can really be good at tv this is when tv can be good at telling a story this is when a story transcends gender and boundaries and all this other kind of stuff that it that you that you watch and you understood that this has been in a deep and abiding love story and i i am just moved by it and if anybody watches it and gets all in their feelings about a gay love story then turn the tv off and go go to hell outside or whatever or go turn on some football because you know football ain't gay <laughs> just get out of my way it was just so beautiful and so the the characters who the story centers around comes back find, well finds him because he has been there before with the other woman and uh who was killed uh, but he now he's with this little kid this little girl so he comes back and uh and there was a, a note and a car key and you know all the all the information i mean it was just it was just it was just something it was just something to behold you know it was just something and uh i don't know what to i don't know what else to tell you except that it was just quite beautiful and all the time that i was watching i kept waiting i was like is this going to end you know, like, is this going <laughs> to, I kept like, are they going to let these people get eaten up by the zombies? Like, what is happening? But it didn't happen like that. And I'm so glad because I, because I, I could ease into watching it without, you know, zombies jumping on and killing them, you know, like they went on their own terms. So that's what I'm saying. It just it just was beautiful. So if you so if you have opportunity to uh uh see something, if you have opportunity to see The Last of Us, um that's the episode to see. And I think it's like episode three, you know. You know, that that's what I would uh that's what I would suggest. You know, I, I like the I like the show because I like zombie stuff. And this is like this is like end of the world zombie what happens kind of stuff, you know? Um, and then they made some revelations in it too about how the disease spread so fast and that because the food source got contaminated and because the food source got contaminated, people were eating um, all these products, you know, and it was like in the bread and in the, I mean, it was all the things. And so when you, when they, when they tell you that part, you go, you start thinking back why then some people uh whatever and the character the main character his daughter was killed and they had no pancake mix in the house like they had a very different um pantry so that's why they didn't succumb to the effects of the uh 
of this virus that was, you know, starting to make them, you know, eat people and stuff. It was something, let me tell you. I, I that that gave me a that gave me pause. You know, because they were like, well, who was the first person bitten? Well, it wasn't so much that it was the first person bitten. It was that everybody was consuming these products that were contaminated. You know, it was just a lot, man. (laughs) I watch, you know what? I I watched because it just feels like a blueprint. (laughs) Now, by the time, so, and now it's set in 2023. Like it's set in 2023. And then it goes beyond, like it goes 25, 50 years, 30 years, 25 to 30 years into the future, right? But it starts in 2025, but they go 25, 30 years into the future, maybe 50 years into the future. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just dystopian, man. And, you know, they're trying to, and I know there's got to be some scientists somewhere in a lab held up trying to dissect and figure this out and get a cure to because there are people still who are the resistance, and then there's a government because government still has to exist. Uh, uh, who is trying to crack down on, you know, uh, I, I don't know if a government exists as much as they're like little militias of people trying to fight their way through. And there's always hustlers and nefarious characters, you know, in, a, in every dystopian story. There's always people who are always trying to like you know, run over people, uh, control people, uh, uh, get more for themselves and for other people, that kind of stuff. There's always that mess, right? So it's always, it's always that, 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 that contingency of people that you got to fight for and fight with and fight through so that I don't, and I don't know where you're trying to go. I don't know. So I, I would imagine as the story goes on that you will see somebody is working on some cures or something. I mean, really? I mean, is this the end? No. I think somebody's they're gonna show people working on trying to figure out how to how to stop this thing, you know, so that humanity could go on. Because otherwise, this is it. <laughs> so so that's my that's my this is my new show that I'm digging, you know, after uh Wednesday. And Wednesday is coming back for another season. And I enjoyed that so much. Let me tell you, I did. I really enjoyed Wednesday. And speaking of Wednesday, the original, uh, uh, the original Wednesday just passed away. Miss Loring, uh, she just passed away yesterday, and she wasn't even that old. Uh, you know, I was like, wait a minute, Lisa Loring, she was sixty-four. I didn't. I didn't know she was that young. I thought she was way older. Okay. So yeah, so she passed away uh, yesterday or January 29th or somewhere around there. And uh, she's best known for Wednesday on the on the Adams Family, the show, the sitcom in the 1960s. And uh, yeah. So, you know, she, uh, she uh, I think they said she had a, a massive stroke brought on by smoking and high blood pressure yeah that'll do it <laughs> i don't smoke and i manage my blood pressure because i ain't trying to go out like that i know i'm gonna go don't get me wrong i'm not gonna live forever i know it but while i am living 
I want a good quality of life. That is the point. So, so yeah, so she, she must have been doing a lot of damn smoking. Anyway, she uh she suffered a massive stroke brought on by smoking and high blood pressure. And uh and she had already been on life support for three days. So, you know, so I hope she got a chance to see uh the new Wednesday. I hope she got a chance to watch it and just, you know, be a part of that story and that history. So anyway, that's her. And uh that's it. So, yeah, so I thought I'd share that information because it just seems timely. And uh, it just seems, and you know, Christina Ricci has been uh, Wednesday and now Jenna Ortega is Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, interesting. A full, a full circle kind of moment. So, Wow. Oh, the things, the things, the things, the things that go on in the world. Uh, I I would imagine they're still fighting in Ukraine. Uh, I'm listening with a with a faint ear around what is happening. I know there's some fighting in Israel and Palestine. What's new? They've been at this for a very long time. Uh, who else? Um, I think there's some other fighting somewhere in Africa that's going on. Uh, I mean, there's just fighting everywhere. And I, I just I just wish we could get to a place where fighting is just not necessary. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I just wish we could get to a place where fighting was not necessary. As I think about the world and I think about what people want to fight over and what people want to control, what people want to have, you know, and I'm just I was like, what is happening? Why are we in this place? And why haven't we learned the lessons from history? Why? Why do we want death and destruction of people everywhere? Why can't we just get along? And and why does greed dictate and drive so much? So much. It's just just exhausting. I feel like a song coming on. If I knew how to play the piano, I would play a song. I'd play what the world needs now. I, you know, I would play something because, you know, but the world keeps on turning and we try to do the best that we can. That's, and I guess that's, I guess that's the, the real lesson of life. You know, I guess that's the, I guess we just keep pressing on. I guess we just sort of, you know, hunker down and try to be the best humans that we could be and be good to each other and be good to our loved ones and 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 fall in love and be in love as much as we possibly can because the end is nigh. The end is nigh. And and we don't know what does what is it we don't we know neither the day nor the hour. You know, so so be good. And and good is relative to everybody. I I get it. So they don't have to write me and you know whatever. I'm just saying that you could be good to the people that you could, as James Taylor says, shower the people you love with love. You know that song, shower the people you love with love. That's what you do. That's that's really the only that's the only revolution. That's the only true revolution is love. That's the true revolution. People can fight for land all day, all day, all day. People can fight for for 
for minerals and and oil and 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 rights to stuff. Get you can fight that all day, but at the end of the day, it really is love. Because all those things, what is the point of all those things if love is not is not the answer? If it's not the answer, I mean, how much how much stuff can you control? And what do you get? There's no prize for that. You're gonna die. <laughs> Putin is gonna die. Everybody's gonna die. Somebody's gonna die. People are dying right now. We're gonna die. So how are you spending your time? Oh my God. <laughs> I need a walk. I need a walk out here in this fresh day. I need a walk. I need a good walk. That's what that's what needs to happen. And uh, and I need to go and blow some uh, cinnamon in my doorway. That's what I need to do. So, and uh, and I got to see where I can like not be doing stuff. You know, but once I finish this art installation, and then I've got a storytellers retreat next month, which will be fine, which will be lovely to do, and uh, and I'm excited to do because I I love the art of storytelling, and I love the art of storytelling um, to bring us closer, not so much to be, not so much to control a narrative about what people must do in the world. But just as a way that we build better bridges to connecting with one another and sharing one another and being vulnerable with one another. You know, I, I I'm done with not being vulnerable with people. So that's where I that's where I live these days. You know, I, I don't want to hide emotions. I'm not doing any of that. If you hurt me, I'm telling you, you hurt me. If you love me, I love you back. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm living in that space. I don't want to live in a space of fear anymore. And I haven't for a very long time. So I'm just telling you, I operate from a place of love and openness and vulnerability. And people are not vulnerable because they're just like, oh, you just can't let everybody in because they'll hurt you. But if hurt is the worst possible thing, as long as they don't physically like knife you up, I'm good. I could, I could, I could withstand a broken heart. I'm withstanding a broken heart. And I'm glad of it because that says, you know what? I'm very much alive. I am very much alive. If you if you can't withstand a broken heart, then you're not you're not you're not um, experiencing the full the full the full beauty of being human. Do you know what I mean? Like that's part of being human. That's the full beauty of it, and we should live there. You know. We should live there. So if you, so listen, you get a broken heart, you mend a broken heart. What? It's, hearts are mendable. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you. So if you have a broken heart, mend your broken heart. Mend it. Get up off the floor, mend your heart, and go try again. Go fall in love again. That's the only recourse. I don't want to live in a world without falling in love every single day at every single moment with every single breath. I don't want that kind of world or existence. I always want to be in love and I always am in love. I always am. I don't care about a broken heart. I, I don't care because I can mend it. <laughs> it's not going to, you know, I'm not Anna Karenina. <laughs> I'm not, um, uh, 
I'm not uh, uh, Miss Devereaux from Streetcar Named Desire. I'm not Blanche. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not any of those characters. You know, I'm 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 not Anastasia. I'm not all these tragic women uh, who you know allowed a broken heart to give them consumption. You know, which is tuberculosis. I, uh, uh-uh. it's like all right. I know how to. Listen, you have a broken heart. There's things you could do. Purge, burn you some sage or 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 whatever the incense or whatever. Open some windows. Put on your favorite favorite music. Drink you some good wine or whatever it is you like to do or tea or whatever it is, and let yourself just be in the moment of a broken heart. And then get up, take a damn shower, put your clothes on, and get back out there. Get back out there. And if you see that person, what did Dion Warwick tell us? If you see me walking down the street and I start to cry every time we meet, walk on by. That's what you do. Walk your ass on by. Don't, 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 don't be caught of it in it. Just keep it moving. Because you know what? It's a new day. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. It's February 1st, Black History Month and Valentine's Day, which is my favorite. So I'm going to be talking about love all month. So if you don't want to talk about love, don't tune in. But if it's all about love for you, I'm going to bring you a poem. I'm going to bring you some Black history. We're going to bring you some music. We're going to get it all in. So I'm on my way out. I got to go run some errands, get in these streets. But I want you all to be safe out there. And really, uh, think about Black History Month. Celebrate. Go learn something. Dig into something. Get into it. Get into it. And then think about the people that you love. Be prepared to shower them with love. Just get into it. That's what I want you to do. Be just be loving. Be in love. Move in that space. It'll feel good. Just take take all of February. I'm gifting you February. I'm gifting it, gifting it to you. Take it. <laughs> fall in love. This is the month to fall in. If you're not in love, this is the month to fall in love. <laughs> I'm giving it to you for free, baby. You don't got to pay for it. You don't got to pay for it. I'm giving it to you. So I'm out of here. Thank you, Harry Jones, for the music. Thank you for your support. Paul Bass, that word on the street was fire. I really enjoyed that. Talking to uh, Beth was amazing. And uh, I can't wait to see what you write up about her. And I get to see a full picture of her. So there you go. I'll see y'all later. We got to get on board. Rolling strong. Singing a song of freedom. Gonna sing, gonna sing a song of freedom. Can't keep us down. Sing
Can't stop that freedom sound. This little light of mine. 